Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn the Jets Live. I'm your host, Steven Zantz, joined by my co-host, Stephen Russo. We're joined by a spe- very special guest who has an A-plus background because it's SpongeBob, and I'm a big SpongeBob guy, DJ Bienemy, the, the New York Daily News Jets beat writer. What's up, DJ? What's up, Steven? How you guys doing? Doing good, man. I'm doing good, man. You know, I'm just, you know, joining two Stevens, Steve, <laughs> double Stevens and DJ. You know, we're just trying to kick it and talk Jets. <laughs> what about you, Steven? Doing very well. Doing very well. Uh, DJ, thanks so much for uh, for hopping on with us. So we're going to dive right in here. So I want to kind of uh, tackle the obvious first here. Uh, let's talk about Zach Wilson. I think you probably uh, know there's been, you know, some collective panic out there in Jets Nation after the green and white scrimmage. So settle the fan base down. Talk to us about Zach Wilson. What are you seeing? Is there reason to panic or should we all just kind of chill out a little bit and know that this is just lumps from a rookie? Yeah, I mean, just lumps in a rookie. So what I realized is Jets Twitter doesn't represent, like, the actual Jets fan base. Because, like, I've been at practice. I've talked to, you know, Jets fans. And, like, there's, like, you know, all of optimism for the most part. And that scrimmage, I mean, there was a lot of factors, not, quote, per se, going against him. But it was the closest they've been to actual game-like simulation where he has to get to play, line everybody up, have everybody in the right spot. So that's a lot for a rookie, right? So, like, you're saying, you know, you get to play, you're trying to get everybody lined up. And before, you know, when you finally see everybody lined up, now you got to look at the defense versus, like, people can, you know, a vet, they can do that with with the ease, you know what I'm saying? But a rookie, that's just a lot on their plate. Then they got to, you know, pre-snap read, see who they got to identify to find out what the coverage is. Then they can hike the ball. And then that coverage might not even be it. So, you know, the brain is just rolling at a very fast pace. So that that was kind of normal. Um, granted, that was like, you know, we, we haven't seen him play that poorly since like the first day he came back. But I mean, if you take away those two interceptions, it's just a fine. It's a decent day at that point. I mean, one was a tip, which wasn't really his fault. Jordan made a really uh, great play. And I'm trying to remember. I can't, oh, and then, you know, with uh, Gidry, I mean, Gidry just made a really, really good play. He didn't see him try to make a timing throw and Gidry read it and intercepted it. But besides that, you know, uh, I mean, there was a couple of drives where they just had a false start, went back five yards, and then before you know it, they had a punt. So it's just, you know, we couldn't get the offense all the way going. But, again, he's a rookie. That was his first time close to the game-like simulation. And um, – but the talent is still there. It's not like – again, there's never been a practice where it was like, oh, like, it does not like long. The arm looks weak or he just looks completely overwhelmed. There's times when the pressure can make him hesitant and make him hold the ball. 
But that, again, that's that's normal for a rookie quarterback, a young quarterback. Like reading reports out of Miami, there's been times where Tua holds the ball now, and he's, he's in the second year when the pressure gets around him. But again, like that's normal for a young quarterback. You know what I'm saying? I was just reading. I was just reading a paper. I mean, not a paper, but a story today from Kevin Clark talking about Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, where mm-hmm. where the pressure pressure starts to get to him. Like mm-hmm. he was saying that after the first hit, he started like to bail and he wasn't staying with his reads. So that's things that you know Zach Wilson was is still you know learning how to with the pressures getting around him, stay with your read, get the ball out. Um, and again, he's a rookie, so there's still it's a it's a role going to be a roller coaster. He's still learning. Yeah. Like as as I wrote my article yesterday, it's a process. Today, he's still learning. You know what I'm saying? Just like we mentioned, how when he wants to try certain things like that, you know, he tried to throw a dig route to uh, Elijah Moore, and CJ Mosley got really deep into his drop and broke that pass up, almost intercepted it. But again, that was a that was Zach trying to see what he can and can't do. And that's what training camp really is for, for these, uh, for, for, especially for a rookie quarterback. Yeah. And I thought he handled it really well in the press conference. Cause he basically said, what you just said that he's like, I want to see what I can get away with and what I can't. And I think that's what practice is for, because you just ultimately, you want to see, you know, what types of windows you can actually fit a ball into, you know, there's not, there's no repercussions if you throw an interception. So I think it's fine. I mean, I, I think that the biggest thing that you said and I really liked was, he never has looked like he doesn't belong. To me, that's the most important thing. It's nothing's overwhelming him. And the one thing you consistently read about and hear about from the coaches, he doesn't make the same mistakes twice. He's just testing everything. And I think yesterday was the first day they said that he the, the offense wasn't being installed. So he knows everything. And now it's all about repetition, right? Right. I agreed. Like, like, I mean, Mike White and James Morgan, they've made strides. But, like, early day, there's times where they look like they don't belong. Zach Wilson never looked like that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I mean, if I'm just being honest, like, I think with Mike White, you could probably possibly win a game or two, maybe. But James Morgan, like, I don't think you can win that many games. With, I, don't, I don't think you can win much with him. But, like, Zach Wilson's never, ever looked that inadequate. You know what I'm saying? Like, they have their highs and lows, like all of them. But, like, t- Zach's talent makes you see, okay, yeah, like, that's an NFL quarterback. That That's a guy that there's something there. He can develop. I don't know what his ceiling is. I mean, obviously, like, from a stylistic standpoint, ceiling is similar to Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes because of the off-script stuff. Kyler mm-hmm. Murray being able to just, you know, improvise and make plays with his legs and throw off platform, things of that nature. But, again, obviously we don't know if he'll ever reach that type of ceiling. And you don't want to put that type of pressure on him because that's not fair. But again, yeah. like from a talent perspective, like you, you see it, like arm strength, velocity. Um, um, again, obviously, you can, you can tell he's a leader. Um, he's athletic. So I mean, Jet fans, they don't have to be worried. I, <laughs> for me, for me, I don't think you have to be worried about a quarterback until probably if they look like like they're garbage by like, nah, I'll say by like late into year two. Maybe year three, because even like Baker looked garbage by the end of year two, but like now by year three he made the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? Like Lamar, his first year he didn't look great. Like he was running really well, but he didn't look great from a passing standpoint. Then next year, you know, he did what he did. Josh Allen obviously looked terrible first year, got better year two, and then year three he popped. You know what I'm saying? So I'm really big on giving quarterbacks time to develop because you really don't know what it can be until you actually invest in them. And give them the opportunity to grow and learn from the mistakes. So, yeah, definitely. Now, 
isn't it a little, uh, isn't it different? It's definitely different for Jets fans too, but uh, shouldn't we take into account too that he's also the presumed starter from day one with real no veteran presence. So he's consistently going against the first string defense and not really getting any reps against the second string. Whereas, you know, in years past, you've had Mark Sanchez, uh, Geno Smith, uh, Sam Darnold all had a veteran there where they had to work their way up. So isn't there some stock that we can kind of put in that as well? Of course, I agree 110%. Like, I mean, you see the reports from Trey Lance, like what he's doing in camp, Justin Fields, everything they're doing is against the twos for the most part. Yeah, mm-hmm. Trey Lance gets some reps with the ones, Justin Fields possibly gets some reps with the ones, but for the most part, most of the work is against the twos. Exactly, most of his work is going up against the ones in actual NFL defense. Not saying that the Niners or the Bears, their backups aren't NFL caliber. Obviously, they're in the NFL, but like NFL starting caliber, you know what I'm saying? Because they were then they would be with the first team. You know what I mean? Zach Wilson, like he's going against a starting NFL defense that's going to be improved for the most part compared to last year because um, the front seven is pretty good. Um, and secondary, it's, it's improving, it's, it's developing. But overall, like that's going to be a solid defense. So um, he's going against, uh, you know, again, uh, NFL starting defense for the most part. So, yeah, you got to put stock into that for sure. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. So kind of shifting away from Zach, because I know he's really always what everyone's curious about because he's the big shiny toy that we just got this <laughs> offseason. Um, I'm curious, you know, with it, after two weeks of camp almost, do you think either Coleman or Carter has a leg up and like, you know, kind of getting most of the work? I know it seems like it's going to be 50-50. And then kind of even following up on that, a question we got from one of our, our viewers is uh, from Telverin, does Piran have a significant leg up on Adams? I feel like yes on that because you've said a lot of good things about Piran. So curious about all those guys. So the running back spot, I think it's a four-way, it's a four-way race between Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, P. Ryan, and Carter. Like, obviously, I mean, if you're at the scrimmage, when they went with the Wilson-led offense, Ty Johnson was getting the first reps. Same with Tevin Coleman, P. Ryan, and then uh, Michael Carter a little bit to a lesser extent. I think Carter had a lot of hype and a lot of anticipation. Not saying he hasn't had a good camp. He's had a good camp, but so have these other guys. So I think it's a four. It's a four man race. It's going to come down to who plays well during preseason because all of them flash, right? Like there's times like I like Tevin Coleman's patience. He shows really good vision. There's times where he where like he'll do like a jump cut into the A gap, then jump into the B gap, and then explode. There'll be times where Michael Carter can really you know follow his tracks and then. Uh, plant his foot and then get up field. But then he's also shifty where he can make people miss. P. Ryan, he can just really get downhill and he can really <laughs> bring the hammer for the most part. Um, and then Ty Johnson, he's, he's probably the fastest one out of all the running backs. Um, sometimes he's not as patient, but I mean, sometimes he, he can really slip through a hole, I mean, flip through a hole at times. Um, so, I mean, they all bring something different. Uh, I just know that preseason is really going to determine who's going to be in that running back uh, by committee rotation. I think it can be a two to three man rotation for the most part. Cause like they all, like none of them have separated themselves to where it's like, yeah, he, he's going to be the guy with, without mm-hmm. question. Not saying that they haven't all produced and they can't produce. I think they all will produce. It's just like, none of them is shown that. Yeah. Like they can just be the lead bell cow. And then that's that. Yeah, I think the perfect model to think about as a Jets fan where you can compare the situation is the 2019 49ers. It was Mostert, it was Coleman, it was Jeff Wilson and Brita. All those guys got opportunities throughout the season. I'm not saying we're going to the Super Bowl, but I'm saying 
That's right. how the scheme operates. That's what you should expect, especially because you said it's a four-man race. Seems like Josh Adams and um, I forgot the other guy. Um, uh, Austin Walters. Even though Austin Walters, yeah. like a couple of practices ago, had the best run of camp where he made like – he bounced outside, made Jason Pinock miss with, with a move. I forgot who the other safety was, but he just – yeah. Took it to the career for like 70 yards, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to hear stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming somebody's going to be on the practice squad probably, so there'll be five, four on the active roster, four and one on the practice squad. Yeah, that, that that's what I'm thinking. And then you also got to factor in from the running back's room. We got to factor in uh, West Coast because mm-hmm. he's the he's he's going to be the fullback. He's going to be on the roster for the most part unless something crazy happens, but he's going to be on the roster as their H-back slash fullback. So I love to hear that. Title. Mountain, I'm a Mountaineer, so I want Trayvon to make the team. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. So uh, kind of sticking with the running game, DJ, I know last week you were on the Badlands uh, podcast with our friends Joe and Connor, and you kind of made mention, too, uh, that the run blocking seemed to be good from the offensive line, but you were slightly concerned with the pass blocking. Um, yeah. Is that still the case? Has there been any advancement or improvement in that front, or can you kind of shed any light on what you've seen over the last week on that? So it so I'm being cautious, right? Like I don't want to say, oh, I'm really worried about the pass blocking because they're going against a really good defensive line, man. Like, like on paper, it, it, it's good, but like it can be a top ten unit, like without question this year. Like I mean, on paper, it's like, top ten. Like, but you know, you got to put that to, you got to put that to work, and like it's pretty apparent that D line is a problem. Carl, uh, John, Frank, Myers. Foley, Rankins, and we haven't even factored in Quinnen yet. That's what I was about to say. He literally hasn't practiced yet. He hasn't practiced yet. You feel me? And, like, so I'm like, okay, let me be patient with, you know, seeing how that that pass protection is. I will say that it did take a step further down once AVT got hurt. Yeah. Because, you know, like, AVT, he's he's talented, so he was able to keep that afloat in that aspect. Like, they still took their losses, but they had more wins. But then once you put Dan Dan in there, um, you know, you know, there's times where they can really beat up on him. Granted, it's not just him. Um, I mean, you still got McGovernor. So I mean, you still got the center. I forgot, I forgot, I forgot who the starting center's name is. Excuse my head. But that's um, okay. Yes, that's that's fine. And he got G, uh, GRV. Um, so yeah, like the interior. You know, there there's some issues there with, with that defense line. Then again, like just being honest, Carl Lawson has been kind of unblockable. Like at first it was iron shopping iron with Makai and Carl. Now it's just, you know, Carl's just just getting his wins at this point. You know what I'm saying? Like, because um, you know, from a left tackle, like it's it's a tough job, man. Like you can be doing well for an entire game. Let's say out of 60 snaps, so let's say like 50 snaps. You know, like quarterback throws it like 40 times and you win like 38 of those. But if you lose twice, you give up two sacks, everybody thinks you had a shitty day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like it's like Makai gets his win, but there's times where Carl can get to the get to Zach within like two seconds. I think you know I think Makai's also getting used to his body. You know, he's slimmed down a little yeah. bit. And, you know, he's still probably – I know he had, like, a little bit of a foot issue, so I think that he's also just, you know, still getting his feet wet. I'm not worried about him. We saw what he could do against some of the best talented mm-hmm. defensive linemen in the NFL last year. Agreed. And I think I think it's fine. I mean, I think just think Carl's a man on a mission right now. Like, he's ready yeah. to break out. That's really what it is. Yeah, so I'm just like, all right, I want to see this offensive line against somebody other – like a different defensive line that isn't already a top ten unit yeah. within the NFL. 
I love yeah. that you keep saying that. <laughs> yeah. Like that. So the two things, the three things that I know are going to transfer without question is the D-line, Elijah Moore, and Corey Davis. I know those three things are going to translate without any issues. From you, what I'm seeing, I know it's going to translate. After seeing the receivers we had last year, the fact they're saying two guys that are already going to be really good in the receiving core, that yeah. is awesome. I'm glad to hear right. that. <laughs> and I, I right. feel like uh, I feel like over the last couple of days, Corey Davis has really stepped up. Is that been the case? Is that something that you've you've seen? Most definitely, it's almost like Corey. I was like, "Yo, I know I I love Elijah. Elijah's talented. Y'all should love Elijah too. I love him too. But I'm still Corey Davis, and you know he's been you know showing that as of late. Corey's not going to give you the dynamic plays that Elijah can give you on a more consistent basis, but Corey is going to be more of that consistent presence, um, play in, play out, going to be able to move the chains, going to be able to pick up 15, 20 yards on like a dig route or a curl where he can catch it, shake off a tackle, get extra yards on some of those crossing routes, you know what I'm saying, get the ball off of play action and, and you know, be able to utilize some of his yak ability, get down the field, so, yeah, Corey has – I think Corey today, I think, had three touchdowns. Um, two of them were, like – well, all of them were obviously during red zone. But, again, like like that – some days, you know, Corey is, a safe, is, is Zach's safety blanket. Other days is Elijah. But as a recent has been – his safety blanket, safety blanket has been Corey Davis. Yeah, it seems like Corey Davis is showing exactly why he was a top ten pick a few years back. And I yeah. know he was hurt a little bit early on in his career. And I know the Titans didn't have a consistent passing game really until, until Tannehill got there. I think that he's really blossoming and he's actually improved like slowly every single year since he got into the league. And now he's really hitting his athletic prime. I think he's like 26. So I think it makes sense why we may see a major leap. And it, it seems like he's going to be the go-to guy every time the Jets are in the red zone. They're going to look to get to him like with like fades and like quick slants when they're trying to score a touchdown. So I'm excited yep, about yep. that. Yep. That, that, that's what we, that's what we've seen uh, for the most part. I mean, today, I mean, he would have had like four if he had not got, uh, if they didn't throw a PI on um, Bryce Hall for like, you know, a jump ball and a fade route. So that goes back to your point about him being like a the red zone target at the receiving court. When you think about it for the most part, all the reasons, I mean, you know, Mims is 6'3, but for the most part, uh, everybody else is, you know, I won't say short, but they're not over six feet. I mean, Crowder isn't over six feet. I think Keenan might be like 5'11, mm-hmm. maybe six feet. Elijah is like 5'9, Crowder, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, yeah, so that even, goes back to your point. I don't even think Elijah's 5'9. When I was at the practice on the 31st, I saw him standing next to Barrios and he looked shorter than Barrios, but yeah, maybe that was yeah. just my eyes seeing things. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> so, yeah, kind of shifting to the defensive side of the ball. I got a question from Ben Green. So, besides Mosley, because he's been like the obvious linebacker, have any of the linebackers on the team really popped to you or any of them you think can maybe be a solid contributor? Because I know it's really Gerard Davis and Hamza, but anybody else really kind of popping in your eye? Um, no, it's just really been, you know, those, those two. Um, I mean, but I think with the defense of the pressure that the defensive line can create, I do think that let's say CJ had to miss time or Davis had to miss time that, you know, a Shearwood or a Noah Dawkins, they could fill that role. Obviously not to the same ability as Davis and CJ Mosley can, but fill it, you know, to an admirable level. You know what I'm saying? Because I think the defensive line is going to be able to uh, make their lives a lot easier. So, I mean, I think opposite side, uh, CJ, uh, David, I mean, 
you know, there's been times where Davis has flashed some of that first round talent. Um, but you know, uh, with linebackers, I like to see them in games because that's when you can really, because you know, right now they just tag off for the most part. So that's when you be able to really see what type of impact they're having. Um, obviously, I think CJ it has had a good camp, um, has been able to make plays. So I mean, as he, you know, as he said, he's a He's a mother bleeping dog. He says, hey, I'm a mother bleeping dog. Don't forget that. So <laughs> love it. <laughs> hopefully he can carry that in into the uh into the season. Yeah. And I feel for him because he keeps saying he's tired of everyone saying, Oh, those three quarters were the best quarters we've ever seen from anybody. And he hasn't played since. And I like that he's got that hunger. I, I mean, I watched one judge drive and I saw like, you know, he's basically was like working out in his parents' basement every single day for the last like year and a half. And he's just ready to go. And as long as he's healthy, I know he's going to be awesome. I know we're really going to rely on him to kind of be the anchor of the defense, kind of what Jamal Adams used to be, you know, calling out the plays. I feel like he's going to be the captain of the defense. Is that safe to say as well? Yep, most definitely. Most definitely. I think uh, – I forgot who mentioned it, but I think um, somebody mentioned that David, like Davis was getting the plays in. But um, either way, I think T.J. Mosley is going to be the captain for sure. Not to mention what he can do with Coach Sala and what Robert Sala has done with linebackers. Now you put C.J. Mosley with him, who is clearly still one of the top five linebackers in this league. I think that's uh, that's going to be it's going to be big for Mosley as well. Agreed. Completely agreed. Um, sticking on the defensive side, DJ, have there, have, have there been any of the rookies that maybe people aren't keeping as much of an eye on that have kind of stuck out to you on the defensive side of the ball to say, hey, you know, let's let's watch out for this guy that have impressed? Yeah, I mean, I like what I saw from Brandon uh, Echoes today at practice. Like, that was probably the best. Granted, he was going against like, – he didn't get that many run with the ones. But that was for sure probably the best a corner has looked during camp. Because, like, he was just all over the field. Like, he got his hands on the ball five different plays. Pick six, um, four PBUs, where, you know, whether it's Denzel Mims running a fade route and – you know, uh, Brandon's all over it to the point where like Memphis has to turn into the into the defensive back. Um, or when I forgot who the receiver was, it was during the seven on seven, third down, seven on seven. But I know that the receiver ran a dig on the outside. I don't know exactly who it was, so I don't want to just attach that to anybody. But he runs a dig, and Brandon runs the route for him and drops the pick. You know what I'm saying? Like Brandon was so turned today. And then like the last play of practice. Um, Josh uh, Malone is running a dig in the back of the end zone. And then here comes Brandon Echoes, breaks it up. And then, and then you know, bam, 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 practice over. And But that was fitting because he was really, like, doing his thing. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, Brandon for sure. Um, I was really, like, you know, Isaiah Dunn. One thing that I've noticed about Isaiah Dunn is there's been times where he's gotten beat, but he's never, like, completely, like, out of the play to where it's like, yo, where are you? You know what I'm saying? There's times where – um. You know, Bryce is like, yo, like Bryce, where were you on that play? You know what I'm saying? Like, obviously, like, those plays don't happen nearly as much. Like, the first play when Zach came back, where he throws the bomb to Elijah Moore, um, I think I'm thinking like a post route, you know, like, I was like, yo, where, where was <laughs> uh, Bryce Hall? Granted, like, from our view, we couldn't see everything, but, you know, that was supposed to be his area. But, again, um, that, that's before far field in between. But Isaiah Dunn, back to Isaiah Dunn, like, his technique's pretty good. Uh, like, he, he he's able to, when, you know, he's pressed, able to stay right in front of the receivers for the most part, um, stay on their help. There's just times where they're able to create just that, that small bit of separation to where Zach can fit the ball in. Uh, I remember one time, like, I think it was to Keenan Cole, 
the Keenan Cole bobbles the catch, but like Isaiah Thomas right on his hip, breaks the ball up, and then Keenan Cole is able to fingertip uh, catch it. Um, I think that might have been the day where um, I think Zach had like a really, really good practice. I think that's when he threw that 80-yard touchdown pass. But, you know, those two have, have stood out to me from a rookie uh, perspective. Um, I think who else? Yeah, on the defensive side, yeah, those two have really, like, really stuck out. There's been times where Jason Panak has made some plays. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for sure, like, I think as of right now, Isaiah done got hurt. Um, I think he should be back, but uh, I think right now, Brandon Echoes, I don't know how much of a shot he has, but if I had to pick somebody at our cornerback room that has a shot to get into that starting role at cornerback, it, it, it's probably him. Okay. Yeah, definitely. So we got a lot of questions actually coming from the chat. So one question we got from Greg Waters is he wants to know your opinion, DJ, where do you think the defense ranks at the end of the season? So if you had to give like a number one through 32 defensively, where do you think that they end? I know you said D line top 10, but what do you think overall as a defense? So right now, if I had to pick today, it'd probably be like in the 20s, not like the low 20s, but like the higher 20s. I just think that the defensive line is going to be able to create enough havoc to where there'll be days where the defense can um, – there's a fly in my room. I don't know how I got in. But the defensive <laughs> line can, uh, you know, carry carry the defense for the day. But I'm just really concerned about that cornerback spot. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, you can have a really good defensive line. But Robert Sala always says – we have to make the quarterback hitch. And the way to make the quarterback hitch is through coverage. So if the, you know, the, if the cornerbacks can't, the secondary, the coverage can't do what they have to do, then some days it won't even matter. I even, I even remember, um, I think it was uh, Franklin Myers, he even mentioned, because he was talking about Zach, how quickly he gets the ball out. He said, it doesn't matter how good we can get to the quarterback if we can get the ball out fast. So, you know, if the defensive line creates pressure, but the quarterback gets the ball out, then, you know, like that that's going to be a recurring theme throughout the year. You know what I'm saying? So um, I think it'll be like in the upper 20s because, again, implementing the scheme, it's going to be hard to quickly turn everything around within one year. Uh, but I do think, like, it could be a top 15 unit year two because Miami kind of had that same type of, of aggression. Granted, this year, this Jets defense has way more talent than that 2019 Dolphins unit. But yeah. by year two, by year two, you know what I'm saying? They were a top 10 unit. They're actually, yeah, they were top, they were, they were number one in scoring, scoring defense. So they went to Buffalo and gave up like 42 points, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know what I'm saying? But by year two, you know what I'm saying? You start to see more of that coach's um, um, imprint. You feel me? So I do think it could possibly sneak into the top 20, but I think upper, upper top 20, because again, like I'm really concerned about that that cornerback spot because there's days where you know the receivers are able to have their way with the cornerbacks and yeah this this receiver room is good but there's teams on the schedule that have more talent at that receiver spot granted i will say though with those some of those teams achilles heels would be is the offensive line whether it's miami whether it's um carolina carolina you know what i'm saying like, because I remember I was reading, like, a Dolphins reporter. He was saying that there was one series, because they're right now having joint practices with the Bears, where, like, there was, like, a series where, like, I think it was, like, a few sacks back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. And, like, there's one play where, like, Tua on his third drop back, the left guard was in Tua's lap, um, their second-round pick, Eichenberg. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, you know, there will be days where 
the defensive line will be able to overcome the 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 secondary. But you know, it's gonna be a sliding scale. So we'll 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 see. Cause that's what's really gonna come down to. Yeah. I mean, that's all his defense. He's never I mean, San Francisco had Sherman, but he was a little bit older and there really wasn't another like elite corner on the other side. Right. Yeah. It was yep. all front seven. It was all pass rush. I know we don't have Nick Bosa out there or you know, Buckner or any of those guys, but right, right. Yeah, right. plenty of guys who I think are gonna make a name for themselves. I think Quinn's gonna be in the all pro conversation if he stays healthy. That's what I think. And probably and Lawson too, maybe. You never know. Uh, all pro, I don't know, all pro philosophy. I don't know, all pro. I'm getting, I'm sorry. I don't know, all pro. I, I can see a pro bowl year, but all pro. I mean, so, yeah, honestly, it's, it's hard to get all pro because, yeah, like, maybe that was a little, you know, that was a little generous. Because so, some of it, some of it is like, granted, like, you gotta be great. Then it turned into a popularity contest at that point. Because I know, mm-hmm. I don't know if y'all remember, um, uh, I think it might have been, I'm trying to remember, uh, Barrett, Shaq, I think it's a Shaq Barrett. From, yeah, yeah, on Tampa. Tampa yeah. yeah, so two years ago, he had like 19 and a half sacks. And they didn't make an all-pro team. <laughs> Not first or second. They didn't make an all-pro team. You feel me? Like, yo, you had 19 and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. And, like, you don't make first team all-pro. Well, like, what are we doing here? You feel me? Yeah. So, that's, that's actually insane. I mean, that's yeah, like. 19! <laughs> <laughs> Passion, DJ. No, that was like, I'm a huge Knicks fan. Tyson Chandler won Defensive Player of the Year in 2012-2013, but he wasn't on all-team defense. Mm-hmm. That makes no sense. It's the same thing. It's a popularity contest. That's what it is. Right. So, yeah. So, you know. So, but I do think Carl could have a Pro Bowl type year. You know, he just got to, you know, get – turn those sacks – those pressures into sacks. So. Yeah. But if you look at the Jets' defense overall, it's obviously going to be predicated on pressure up front. We've talked a couple of times in the show about kind of an underwhelming lineup of, of quarterbacks that they're going to play in the schedule. If you couple that with uh, some weak offensive lines thrown in there, I mean, this has a chance to be a, a decent unit. I think on the good side, it could be a top half of the league. Um, but DJ, I probably, you know, I, I think I'm with you somewhere in that maybe 16 to 22, 23 range when it's Agreed. all said and done, just because that, that, that pressure up front has to cover up some of those warts on the back end. And there's definitely going to be probably more lumps than not, uh, especially in the early part of the season and uh, in, in the cornerback room. So we'll see how it shakes out. Right. And then back to the, you know, yeah, like, there, there will be Sundays where that pressure just won't get there. You know what I'm saying? Because you can scheme around pressure. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's ways to scheme around it where it's max protection or – I mean, but then again, max protection, you know, there's people out there to block. But, again, sometimes if you just, you know, have enough time, then if your cornerback situation is as weak as it may as – it, as it is on paper, then those receivers will eventually be able to get open. You know what I'm saying? So, um. You know, and then again, like Robert Sal even mentioned it that if because he mentioned we mentioned that how the run game has been able to work, and he's like, yeah, because you flip it, like yeah, we've been able to get the quarterback, but they've been able to run the ball against our D line, so then they'll be able to get you into third and three, third and fours, and where the pressure won't even matter because it's going to be quick game. You know what I'm saying? Play action where you're going to get the defense out out of sync. You know what I'm saying? Get it, you know, get the quarterback on the edge and be able to find somebody, uh, uh, whether it's a cross around or maybe it's like uh, somebody in the flat, things of that nature. So, yeah. So, uh, DJ, if I could, I want to go back uh, to the offensive side of the ball. You've uh, you've praised the Jets receivers a couple times now, which obviously we'd love to hear. Um, but one of the hot button issues, uh, I think, or hot button, uh, we'll say topics, is Denzel Mims. Um, I think, you know, there's some kind of panic just in regards to him. But I think it's, it's eased a little bit because the Jets wide receiver room is probably better than it has been in the last five years. But when you're talking about Denzel, I feel like he's made some progress this week. Uh, he, he was open to the, the press today. Kind of what, uh, what are your thoughts there? What have you seen from him in, uh, in all of camp, but especially over the last couple of days? 
Yeah, so obviously, I mean, he gave us some really revealing information with the fact that, yeah, he we knew he had food poisoning, but we didn't know that it dropped him down at 197. You know what I'm saying? He was around like two, almost 230. Not 230, 220, then he dropped all the way down to 197. Oh, not 197, but 218. My math is off. I'm a writer, not a mathematician. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, um, you know, obviously that, you know, his game is predicated on physicality. So if you lose, that type of strength and you know that's gonna affect your game but again he was up and down early on and missing those practices and things of that nature that slowed him down throughout the spring and that kind of carried on into training camp because yeah you can study a playbook but until you're actually out there going through the reps going through the plays that's how you really learn the mm-hmm. playbook um so missing those days um obviously hurt but it's been better like today um, like his, he caught two, he caught another deep ball today. You know, Jason Panaki, he, he tried to squat on a route. They could go, they're going through a third down drill. He tried to squat on a route because he thought he was going to go short. Um, he rerouted Mims a little bit, but Mims was able to get back and stack on Jason, and the ball from White floats over his head. He's able to catch it, fingertips before stepping out of bounds. So, you know, those are plays that he's been on. Make. Obviously, I wasn't at practice yesterday, but um, obviously, he was able to beat. Brandon Echoes down the sideline, which which is good because Brandon Echoes is probably from the outside corner spot is is their fastest corner. I don't think there's a faster corner. I think obviously with Gidry and Michael Carter, and then now we have a conversation in terms of speed. But mm. from the outside spot, being able to beat him down the field is impressive because he's pretty fast. Um, so he's been able to make some strides. You know what I'm saying? He got some reps with the ones today. Uh, he got some reps with the two. He gets some. He gets most of the reps with the twos, but he's been able to mix it in with the ones. I do think that regardless, obviously picture perfect, right? You got Corey, you got Moore, and you got Mims. That's the picture perfect dream scenario for Jets fans. But I think this year um, the numbers won't be where it needs to be because you're going to have Corey. Remember, this is a business. At the end of the day, this is a, the NFL is a business. Mm-hmm. Corey is getting paid $11 million this year. Crowder is getting paid 6 Cole's getting paid 5 And Cole... He's on a $5.5 million contract. Five of it is already guaranteed. If he's on the roster, he's going to get that other $500,000. And obviously, more was drafted in the second round. So, like, it's more of a crowded room, not enough targets to go around or deal. You know what I'm mm. saying? Good so problem to have. It's a good problem to have. You know what I'm saying? Granted, Mims probably won't have that quote-unquote breakout year that Jeff fans were looking forward to. But it's because the room is pretty deep. You got Corey, you got Crowder, you got more, and I mean you got a nice security blanket in uh Keenan Cole. So if you were a betting man, what would you say the top three receivers are come week one at Carolina? Ooh, that's a good, that's a really good one. Probably ooh, if I was a betting man, I think the top three receivers. I think from a Tyler perspective, I think it should be Corey. Crowder more. Um, but I think there's a chance that Cole could start. Just based off of like just the financial aspect, you know what I'm saying? Just yeah. understand this is a business at the end of the day. But I do think um, the, the top three probably – I think Moore is going to have a good preseason because he's not going to – he's not going to run with the ones and then not run, you know, for the rest of the preseason. You know, so he's only a rookie. So he's yeah. going to be able to get his reps and he's going to be able to make enough plays that he's going to have to – it's going to be undeniable. You're going to put him with one. So, I think Davis, 
Crowder more. Okay. Love it. So I'm going to do something different. Um, you know, I'm going to try something different with uh, some questions. I'm going to do some rapid fire. It's going to be three questions. You can answer it. Like you don't have to go into details, just your quick thoughts. So first, first question is who's your favorite person on the beat to talk to? Rich. Okay. Rich. Yeah. Got it. Rich, Cause Rich, Rich gives me a lot of, it, like, he gives me a lot of like old school information that I can like not implement, but like, you know, okay. You know, just, just seeing how, how he looks at things and he's always like just, Somebody I can just lean on to just bounce some ideas off. Like, like when the just released their, their 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 depth chart, he was he was able to like, yo, don't, don't worry about that because like that's just a PR. He's like, that's that's not even coming from Robert Sala's desk. So like, <laughs> that's just something that they're just playing out there. So yeah. Second question: AJ Brown tweeted he would put all of his game checks on Elijah Moore winning Rookie of the Year. It's at twenty five to one odds on DraftKings. Is that a good bet or a bad bet? That's a terrible bet. <laughs> <laughs> that, like that is a like not because Elijah ain't good because it's Zach a will get it if he's good. Exactly, that's a quarterback for the most part. That's a, a quarterback running back uh, award, and like there's a chance that you know, like let's say Trey Lance starts every game with that roster, like he's going to be able to put up numbers. Trevor Lawrence already kind of has the the hype because you know you know how it is. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like because Joe Burrow is going to win the award. If he didn't get hurt, even though mm-hmm. Herbert was pretty Herbert good, was man. playing better. Like, Herbert was playing better. Like, like yeah. you know what I'm saying? But people were gonna, you know, vote Herbert and Joe Burrow <laughs> because of narrative. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. So he, you know what I'm saying? So that's a bad bet. Yeah. <laughs> so the last one is I kind of changed it up because I saw you answer this from someone on Twitter. It was I was gonna ask you how much time do you think Zach gets on Saturday? And I also saw that judges and playing their starters. So instead of asking that, because you said one quarter, you think. Which game do you think he plays the most in, and what? How much is that? It because it's a weird preseason. No, it's three games, yeah. not four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably probably three, probably the third one. Because the way I look at it Take is two and up. Yep, tune up. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, um, first one, ramp it up. You know what I'm saying? Because it's clear that they don't want to put too much on this plate. So the first game, you know, let him get his reps, get that NFL feel. And then, you know, second game, increase that in the third one. Give him, like, the closest that he's going to see and prepare him for week one. And then he'll have those few weeks before you go to Carolina. And then, obviously, that will be his first NFL start. Yeah. Cool. All right. I like it. So, <laughs> I like uh, it PJ, I, I want to ask you here two-part question, uh, another somewhat fun one. How have you acclimated so far to Jets Twitter? And what's maybe the craziest thing you've seen or, uh, like, craziest conversation you've had with someone on Jets Twitter? <laughs> Okay, so craziest thing I've seen on Twitter. Um, so funny thing. Um, so obviously you guys know I'm Haitian. So somebody called me the Haitian Manish. I laughed at that one. I laughed at that one. I blocked him, but I laughed at that one. <laughs> like I'm, I probably only blocked like two people on Twitter. Uh, on Twitter, that one I blocked, but I laughed. That one made me laugh. So um, with Jets Twitter, like I, I saw it as you know, just looking back. Because the difference between the Dolphin Beat reporters and the Jet Beat reporters is the Dolphin Beat reporters interact with the Dolphin fans. Like Omar Kelly, he interacts with them all the time. Uh, Barry Jackson, he interacts with them like somewhat. Armando Salgir, uh, Armando, he doesn't interact with them as much. But Antoine, when he used to be at the USA, the, at the USA Today, he used to interact with them. Um, Safed, Safed, 
Um, he's no longer with them. He's with the Sunset. No, now he's with the USA Today. Also, he used to interact with them. So, like, obviously, being a Dolphins fan and growing up and wanted to get into this lane, I always wanted to emulate what they did. So, you know, just it's and bits. And obviously turned it into my own thing. And I realized that on Jets, to, you know, Jets beat reporters, literally most, like, 99% of them do not interact. Like, Brian doesn't interact. Rick doesn't interact. Um, Connor interacts some here and there. But for the most part, they don't interact at all. You know what I'm saying? So it's more like they they put out their stuff and then that's that. You know, mm-hmm. no, but you know, the, the reporters don't defend what they're writing, things of that nature. They don't give insight, what yada yada yada. It's what they put, and that's that. So I'm like, okay, this is my this I can fit myself into this lane and ingratiate myself with Jets Twitter and just, you know, get to know their views, their takes, things of that nature. Cause like none of it bothers me for the most part. Like I don't really like nothing that they say bothers me at all. You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm being if I'm being frank, that like there's been times where like I've even like peeked into like Jets Reddit. You know what I'm saying? Just just that was me today. Into that. <laughs> <laughs> like I peek, you know what I'm saying? I'm not in it like everything because like that's a different type of cesspool. Like that, that is a like, different world. You know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, I just saw it as like, okay, most of these guys don't do it. Let me do that, not to, like, build my following or nothing like that, but just so I can, you know, give Jets fans on Twitter a different outlet. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, that was basically my my thought process with that. And I, and totally, I, I love that approach. I think, mm-hmm. like you said, like, a lot of them, a lot of the guys have been on the beat for a while, like Costello and Rich, they're older, so they don't, like, understand. Like, this is how, like, the younger fan base, like, this is what they want. They want to hear from the people who cover the team because you guys have the closest eye besides who's actually in the building. And I've really enjoyed that. You've been so like, you know, reactive to people, but in like a good, like you don't like it's defensive or anything. I think that you just, yeah. you give your honest opinion. Like, and I think yeah. that that's fine. You're not, you're not trying to shape some narrative. Like I've noticed in all your pieces that I've read, it's like you sit, you just write what you see and that's how you also react on Twitter. And I think that's, that's all like, you can ask for. Cause like mm-hmm. sometimes when you read pieces and I'm not saying any of them, even sometimes if it's like <laughs> national pieces from people, there's agendas that are in there. I think you're just covering what you see. And I like that. And I think it's been refreshing. And I think that's why a lot of fans have really enjoyed you coming onto the beat. It's, it's a fact. Right. So like everybody, see one thing that they, they, they try to implement us into us in journalism and J school, you know, that is don't be biased, be objective, blah, 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 blah. I think being objective is complete bullshit, right? It's not real. Like, everybody has, like, the way you go through life, whatever it is, however you grow up, you have these experiences that shape how you are, period. And they form these biases that you that, that, that you develop. So no matter what, you can't be unbiased, right? You can try to impossible. that. Um, it's impossible. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's virtually impossible. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's times, I swear to God, practice is done. Like, I write something up, and I'm like, all right, so how did the Dolphins look at practice today? You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't help it. Like, that's just me. Cause that's my, that's that's just me as a fan. Like, I want to read yeah. like, how the Dolphins look today. You know what I'm saying? Like, how Tua did or how the O-line look or how, you know, what's the Xavier Howard uh, a saga going on? Because that's just my bias. You know what I'm saying? Granted, I don't ever allow that to sip into my – I try to check that no matter what when it comes to covering the Dolphins or coming to the Jets. Yeah. It comes to like dolphin stuff, like grand, like when when I did like the AFC East rankings and stuff, like there wasn't that many things where I put the dolphins. I don't think I put them number one in anything. I mm-hmm. put number two in some spots, like the secondary and receiving core. But yeah, like I never put them number one. But again, like 
back to your, your genesis, your gender stuff, everybody has a bias. Everybody has a gender yeah. of that nature. You know what I'm saying? Like, no matter what, it's just that my bias is I prefer to be as honest as possible and just write what I see and not try to put any, like, negative slants and this, is and that. Like, yeah. things can come off negative, but it's not, like, intentional. You know what I'm saying? Like, when I wrote that man was running with the twos and threes, that wasn't me trying to, like, shit on men, but that was just me, like, oh, this That's is what happened. <laughs> yeah, this this is what happened. You feel me? So yeah, like that that that's one thing that you know I've tried to implement. You know, um, I don't really get defensive about anything because I mean, at the end of the day, one thing I realized going to the practices and interacting with the fans is most of the fans, like I even realize, like like rich, like fans, like some like the fans I see at practice, they like Rich's stuff too. They like Brian. Like, I haven't seen many fans interact with Brian. But I think Brian is a little bit harder to approach. Not in the sense that, like, he's an asshole or anything like that. But, like, Brian just seems more standoffish. That it can make a fan not, like, approach him in that aspect. But fans go up to Rich. They go up to me. They go up to Connor and things of that nature. Um, so, yeah. But overall, though, when it comes to just Twitter, I don't get defensive about shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't really care. Like, once you lock the phone, um, you know, all of it goes away. When I hop on the subway and go somewhere, Ain't nobody like, oh, you're DJ Bianca from the New York Daily News. Like, your tweets, I don't like your tweets. So this isn't that. Like, no, nah, it's it's straight up like, I'm on that train, going from point A to point B. Nobody recognizes me. And that's that. When I go back, when I go in the real world, going to reality, nobody recognizes me. I go on a plane and I fly somewhere, nobody recognizes me. I will say one time, I had a guy sitting next to me that was from Boston. He kept asking me a, th- a bunch of questions. And we eventually got to the fact that I worked for the New York Daily News. And oh, I want to read your stuff, blah, 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 blah. But for the most part, you know, I was in Phoenix. Ain't nobody recognized me. I was in Miami. Ain't nobody recognized me. So I, I keep that perspective that, yeah, I got like 9,000 followers. I'm going to end up at 10,000. I might end up with 11,000. I keep that perspective that, like, this shit ain't really, like, that serious in that aspect. And this shit's supposed to stay fun. So I try to keep that mindset no matter what. And that don't take none of this stuff personal. It is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Some people going to like you. Some people not going to like you. But it's all good. At the end of the day, DJ, so we're gonna I, have to. Our social guy's gonna have to clip this because I want the fans to know how you feel. And this is if they don't get to watch the show, like this was awesome. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I agree. <laughs> it was amazing. Well, you know, I appreciate y'all having me on, man. Yeah, so, no, and you and everything you said, I believe you because it's the way mm-hmm. you approach yourself on Twitter. Like, there's been times like you'll reply to me and you'll like you'll kind of like go at me, but like you don't like meet it like with any like malicious intent you're just like yeah like why yeah, you're just being real and i like that it's you know i've learned you gotta just don't take anything personal man it's just sports none of it is personal because it's just sports mm-hmm. at the end of the day like no matter what i say about your team you're still gonna love your team no matter what like mm-hmm. it is what it is you're gonna still roof your team you're gonna still love your team exactly no matter no matter what i write no matter what i say and at the end of the day it's just sports all this is fun because i no matter what I write and no matter what you think, the, whatever the Jets do on Sunday or Thursday, they have no Monday night games, but whatever I do on every Sunday and that one Thursday night game, that will let you know what's actually going on, no matter what. You know what I'm saying? So I try to keep it to that and understand that all this is fun. End of the day, it's sports. It's fun. And we're just talking about the New York Jets. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Listen. Steven and I have been fans our whole lives, you know, like I, I love the team. I, I definitely, my biases at times, but you know, at the same time, I try to be like, if someone's not good, I'm going to say they suck. 
Like, yeah, I'll try to like cling on as much hope as possible. But like, right, that was like how I right. felt about Sam Darnold. That's how Steven felt about Sam yeah, Darnold. We yeah. were like, we kept hoping and then he just didn't show it. I mean, yeah, there's things that didn't work in his favor and I get all that. I'm, I'm not like, I'm rooting for him to do well, except for week one. Like I liked him as a kid, but like he just didn't cut it. And if Zach does the same thing, on to the next one. Whoever wins, I'm fine with it. It doesn't matter. I root for the laundry. Exactly. Yeah. So like when people like when people in my in my comments are like, oh, Tua sucks. I'm like, all right, cool. If he sucks, they're gonna move on. And that is that. They'd be like, oh well, you know what I'm saying? Like, like granted, like I'm a I'm a fan of Tua. Like, if I had to be honest, like if I'm just being honest, like favorite quarterbacks of all time. Like Tua's up there. Like I really like Tua. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I like I like you're hoping. I, like, you're hoping. Right, right, right. Because like Dolphin fans, once I forgot who put out the article, but somebody put out an article back in January of 2019, and it was like, all right, well, Dolphins are gonna be that good, and you're gonna rebuild. So what quarterback should they target? They should target Tua. Talk about those. So hey, tank for Tua, and everybody got on that train. So it's like, all right, we want to see that work out. Back to the Sam Darnold point, if he doesn't work out, just like with Sam Darnold. Like, I was a fan of Sam Darnold at one point. Like, I used to – I promise you on everything, I used to be in group chat with some of my, my Juco teammates back when I went to school in Cali, and we always talk football. Like, we talk football every single day. Like, ain't that many days where we don't talk football. Probably 360 days out of 365 days where we don't talk football. And there's been times I used to, like, defend Sam Darnold to the brink, to the point that they changed the group that na- chat name to – DJ loves Sam Darnold. Now it's DJ love Russell Wilson. <laughs> Basically, DJ loves Sam Darnold. Because it's be like, why you give Sam Darnold all these excuses? But like with Josh Rosen, you say he sucks. I'm like, well, listen, you <laughs> Sam Darnold has a tough situation going on in New York, but he's still playing well. You know, he's doing this thing, yada yada yada. Like I thought Sam Darnold was like gonna work. You know what I'm saying? Like I Me for too. my quarterback rankings, I, I was like, I, I thought Baker, Baker was my favorite. Lamar was probably my, my second favorite. And I thought like Sam was gonna work. Those were my three that I thought was gonna work. I didn't see it with Josh. And I mean, Josh Rosen was kind of it was weird because it was like he was everything that teams wanted from a passing standpoint, mm-hmm. but like he wasn't athletic and mm-hmm. apparently he's not he's not a good teammate. So it just didn't work out. But like yeah, yeah, like I was a big Donald fan in the aspect of like, I thought he could win. Yeah, I thought, I thought he could do it. You know what I'm saying? Like that that freshman rookie, that freshman year at USC. Where he goes crazy, the last game against Penn State, like you could. Dude, that Penn State like, game was nuts. Yeah, I remember. Exactly. So it's like yeah, you know, was, like I, and his teams were terrible at USC. He was the mm-hmm. only reason they were any good. I mean, by the way, you're making Will, our boy Will Parkinson, the happiest person <laughs> in the world right now. He's the biggest <laughs> Sam Darnold defender to this day. Like it took him a while to accept that Zach Wilson was going to be the quarterback. So I know Will's watching somewhere. If he hasn't, if he tuned out. You're, you just made him so happy with this Sam Darnold love. I, I, you know what I'm saying? I, I was like a big, big Sam Darnold fan. But, you know, again, back to, you know, being fans. If it don't work out, you move on to the next guy. You know what I'm saying? Just like, for me, if Tua don't work out, all right, well, going to move out. Move on to the next guy. Because there's always going to be somebody else that's available for you to go get. For the most part, especially now, like, think about it. Like, the Rams had Jared Goff, paid him all that money. All right, it's not working. All right, let's go get, let's go get Matthew Stafford. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just like yep. that. It was it, it it was it was that simple. The Niners were like, Jimmy, you're good enough, but it ain't enough. We're gonna go get Trey Lance. We're gonna try to build. We're gonna try to see if upside gonna work. Jimmy's on borrowed with, time. He's on borrowed right, time, man. Exactly. Trey's just re- ready to go. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, the Chiefs, we like you. We like you, Alex. You took us to the playoffs a bunch. We're gonna go with this young kid, Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes. 
Tampa Bay, Jameis, I know you threw for 5,000 yards, 32 touchdowns, but you threw 30 picks. You, we might be able to win with you, but Brady's available. Let's go get Brady. That's simple. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I know we kind of went off on a tangent, but yeah, like. I love it. it. You know. it's This is so different than what we've yeah. done, and I, I think it's great. And I, I just like how you opened up to like a lot of people who didn't know that you. this is kind of how you've been operating since you got into the beat. I think it, it's awesome, and it's why like we really wanted to have you on. Definitely want to have you on again during the season, so we'll, mm-hmm. we'll figure that out. Um, but yeah, I mean. I feel like we, we covered everything really that we want to talk about. Um, just any, anything that from today, from practice before we, you know, we let you go that really stuck out to you today besides Corey Davis catching a bunch of touchdowns. Cause I know that happened today. Man, I just, you know, just seeing Brandon Eccles play the way he was playing that, that, that was pretty cool. Um, not that like I'm rooting for him or nothing like that, but like, um, you know, this time where I text like his old, cause I, I talked to his old coach and one of his teammates um, from Juco obviously, um, to do the story that I did on him when he, when he got drafted. And, um, you know, just seeing him, you know, really start to come into his own and seeing him play to the level that he's playing, um, that was pretty cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, obviously, I'm a former Juco guy. And obviously, he's a former Juco guy. And every time I text, like, his coach or his friend, they get happy and things like that. And, and like, and that stuff's cool, man. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, like, granted, they tell us not to, you know, get be be fans of people or things like that but like obviously i'm not like a quote-unquote fan of brandon Eccles, but like or my quote-unquote rooting for him but like he though he does well like every single time he does well jared winley the jets pr guy he always comes to me and he's like hey man Brand, your, your guy brandon's doing good you know what i'm saying so you know like i'm obviously like i'm not rooting for him or yada 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 but you know when when he does well i'm like you know he has to do his thing putting on for the Jugo community. So you keep doing yeah. your thing, Brandon. So, so that, <laughs> every, that's cool stuff. Every beat reporter has favorites. It's it, it's, oh, yeah, I'm not, it's the way it goes. It's You notice it in pieces. There's guys that they talk up. There's guys they put down. It doesn't matter what team it is. So that's fair. I mean, you're just – you like the guy. He, you think he works hard. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, like Connor's guy is – I think Connor uh, is a Braxton Berrios fan. You know what I'm saying? Like, he put that Braxton's been very good there in camp. And I'm like eh. – very good. <laughs> he's not gonna yeah. play much this year. What do you mean? Very good. Yeah, he's gonna be more on punt return and kick return duties. Yeah, but you know what I'm yeah, no, DJ, yeah. thanks so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Um, I, you've been doing great work since you came on the beat, and I know that a, a lot of fans have been really impressed with you and really wanted to get read more of your stuff. And I'm excited to see how you know you evolve as the season begins. Um, do you have anything coming out tomorrow? I, I know you usually have a daily piece every day for Cam. Anything coming out? Um, probably, probably just gonna, you know, just go to practice and things like that. I'll probably have something on Friday about like what we need to see during preseason. I mean, pre first preseason game, things like that for Friday, but nothing too, too intimate yet. But, uh, that, that's about that. Probably gonna try to kill this fly. And then that's going to be that. It's like Breaking Bad. <laughs> the episode of Breaking Bad with the fly in the lab. <laughs> but anyway, everybody, don't forget to follow DJ on Twitter, at uh, DJ Bienemy, to follow all of his great jet coverage and to get him to respond to some of your hot takes because I'm he will go back at you. If you think oh, yeah, not. absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, what like, we, <laughs> like I always say at the end of every show, don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast feed, Turn on the Jets Pod as well and don't forget to join badlands i know that we had the zoom q a at the same time as our show it's best five dollars you'll spend for jets coverage i know dj's now part of the badlands family so 